Thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. Here at Velocity, we love to hear about how lives are changed. And if that's you, let us know and send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now enjoy today's message. And I'm so pumped to get into God's Word. Definitely want to welcome you to the weekend. Not just a weekend, but the weekend. And if you don't know what this is, this is something that we've been doing every year for a while now where... Uh, we partner with campus ministries and we do some of our own activities uh, to welcome back our students. But more than that, the whole purpose of this is to let you know as students that you don't have to wait till you're done with school to be planted in God's house. You don't have to wait to start serving God. You don't have to wait uh, to get involved in a group, to start giving, to bring your friends to church, that you can do all of that right now. Most of all, that you can grow because you planted yourself in God's house and uh, really, this day is kind of important for me because when we started this church, we were a little more than a college group. Uh, if you want to know the truth about it, people would come in and be like, Where, where's the real pastor at? And sometimes people still say that to me, but uh, I, I'm glad that you're here if you're a student. I also want to tell all of you that it takes all of us. It really does. If, if you're here and you're not a student, you're my age or older, of which I'm 35, I can run for president, y'all, now. I can do that. Not going to. I'm just saying I could. And, uh, but if, if you're my age or older, I just want to tell you, man, we need you. I need you. I, I need you to pray for me. And I need you to model what it looks like to serve God faithfully. I need you to model what it looks like to give. I need you to model what it looks like to be planted in God's house, how to walk through difficulty and follow Christ. I need you to model that. So it takes all of us together. And that's the core conviction from which I operate as a pastor. And I always try and speak to uh, our students in a way that doesn't under-challenge them. So the truth is, if it's your first time here, uh, today's not gonna be any different than how I normally preach. And the reality is, is that the Holy Spirit is gonna take whatever I say and translate it and personalize it to your situation anyway. So uh, I wanna get into God's word and I wanna look at a classic text. If you've been coming the last couple weeks, I have been preaching from a few, a little bit more obscure passages and uh, I wanna go back and keep it classy, keep it classic and uh, we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And this is the story where David kills Goliath. Spoiler alert. Sorry if you didn't know that, but that's what happens. And I'm going to start in verse 48 and uh, probably go through 51. And uh, let's see what God would say. It says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell down, fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. So David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with a sword. And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Kind of a violent way to start out a church service. I recognize that. Uh, maybe you're thinking, man, this is a little culturally insensitive. I know it's not really like millions of people tune in to watch two men fight anymore. Just so rare that that would happen. <laughs> but um, I believe God wants to speak to you through this message. And, uh, and I want to use that as a springboard. And I need you to help me preach this this morning. I need you to announce my title to a few people sitting next to you. Uh, this is what every guidance counselor is saying to the students as they plan out the year. This is what every teacher reminds you of. This may even be what your roommate said to you as you left 
to go to the party last night. This is my title. Don't miss your assignment. Don't miss your assignment. Help me preach this. Turn to three people and tell them, don't miss your assignment. All right, well, let's go to God in prayer. I'm gonna pray, ask for God's help. I need God's help. I never wanna get up here and do this in my own strength, power, might, or ability. I believe you need God's help to apply this message to your life. So let's pray together and ask God to speak to us today. Lord, I thank you so much for your word and for your truth. God, I'm so thankful that whenever we open up your word, you speak to us. And God, I'm asking that you would do that today. Not my words, not my opinions, not my ideas, but God, we need to hear from you. That's why the people come to hear from you. So God, I'm asking that you would do that today. Do it in the way that only you can. And I thank you, God, that you will in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say, amen. amen. Hey, how many of you have ever felt regret? Ever felt regret? I mean, I think we all have, right? If you didn't raise your hand for that, I wanna talk to you after church. We've all felt regret. Usually it's around, you know, something that didn't go the way we had expected. Maybe it's on something that, that we missed out on. Uh, you know, we, we weren't able to get in line to get those Taylor Swift concert tickets, look at what she made me do, something like that. I don't know. Like, like there's things that we miss, we miss out on, and uh, it, it causes us to feel regret. On the other hand, there, there are things in our life where we can look back and, and know that, man, I'm so glad that I didn't miss out on that. Like, like I'm so glad that I didn't let people talk me out of it. I'm so glad that I didn't let fear or apathy or you know, other people, I'm so glad that I didn't miss it. You know, even right now as we're talking, um, I know Marissa is thinking about, man, I'm, I'm so glad. Like, what if I would have said no instead of I do? I mean, she would have missed her miracle. She would have missed her man. She would have missed her moment. And you're welcome. And... <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like there, there's, we all have opportunities that we can feel regret. What I think is better, though, is because is, I, I don't really believe in regrets. I, I know we all have that opportunity, but what I think is better is when we can get the benefit of the lesson without the burden of regret. I think that's so much better. I, I call it pregret. I, I made up the word. It's a made-up word, but you can write it down. You can use it. Pregret. It, it's when you allow yourself to, to feel the, the pain and experience the emotion of what it would be like to make that dumb decision and not have to live with the consequences and not have to live with the disaster of that dumb decision. That's, that's pregret. Now, I know you might be thinking, okay, what in the world does this have to do with our text? Then I'm glad you asked because in this text, this classic text, this scripture that everybody knows where this giant from Gath named Goliath is opposing, the, is opposing the armies of Israel with the Philistine army every day for 40 days in the Valley of Elah. And this young shepherd boy, David, decides he's going to do something about it. In this classic text, I see something I think most of us miss, and that's the fact that it almost didn't happen. It almost didn't happen. You see it in the previous chapter. And as I look at this, it makes me wonder what opportunities you and I might be missing on, missing out on. Because of three reasons that I'm going to show you in the text today. Now, if you were to boil it all down, 
I think a lot of us, we miss out on opportunities because of disappointment. That's the truth of it. Setbacks, regrets, disappointment, where things don't go like we expect, decisions that we make and we're experiencing them. And Even though on the other side of disappointment, we can often see how those disappointments, God uses those to lead us to our destiny. But the truth is it doesn't feel like that when you're going through it. It doesn't feel like destiny. It feels like death. It's hard to see life when you're facing disappointment. It's hard to see how God is actually using you getting laid off from that job to prepare something in you. He's teaching you some things through. It's, it's hard to see that that thing that you thought you really wanted, God actually had to withhold to make room for the thing that you actually needed. It's hard, hard to see that. It's hard to see even in the divorce, where as painful as it is, as much as not God's will, it's not God's will, that even going through that, like God is even using that. Like it's hard to see that. It's hard to see destiny in the face of disappointment. And I bring that up because David is an example. He's an illustration of how to deal with disappointment. Because you got to understand, like David, he was more than just a shepherd. He was more than just a giant killer. David was a future king in training. And uh, I, I know many of you probably know this, but for the benefit of those of us who didn't go to Sunday school, uh, do you mind if I give a little context? Do you guys, are you guys with me? Do you mind if I give a little context? All right. Are you like, you went to Sunday school, you don't need this? We just let you get up here and preach? All right. See, on the day that Samuel came to anoint the next king after Saul, it didn't go like you would expect. Little background. Saul was the first king. Was the, was the king that the people chose, was the king that, that Samuel anointed. He was the first king, and he started out pretty good, but, but he didn't end so well. And, and after a while, the Lord was grieved that he'd ever allowed Saul to become king. Because even though he had the stature of a king, he didn't have the heart of a shepherd. And, and so God says, I want a man after my own heart. And I've found that man in one of Jesse's sons. So when he tells Samuel to go anoint the next king, he tells him to go to Jesse's house, but he doesn't tell him which son he's supposed to anoint, which son he's, he's supposed to appoint as the next future king. So so Samuel gets there, because see, sometimes God will give you enough direction to get you in the right area, but he won't give you so much direction that you don't need him to tell you the next step. See, so many times we, we're asking God for help. We're asking God for, we want, we want him to reveal every decision and every detail, but God is not gonna do that because he's never gonna take you to a place where you don't need to depend on him and where you don't need to trust him. And so he'll give you enough light to know the next step, but he's not gonna give you so much light that you don't need him as your guide. And so Samuel, he, he gets to the house and, and he's like, God, I know you told me to come here. And, and Jesse, he gets all his sons out and he lines them up and, and one of them is Eliab, and there's another guy, Shama, And all his sons are out. And he, he, he lines them up, and God says, not that one, not that one, not that one, not, not that one. And, and Samuel's confused. He's like, God, I know I heard you. I know you told me to come here. I, I mean, surely one of these has to be the next. I mean, Eliab almost had me at hello. I mean, this, I, I know that one of these guys has to be the next king, but, but that's not what happens. And one of my favorite verses 
God says, he says this to Samuel, he says, hey, don't look at his height. Don't look at his parents. For I've rejected him. See, see the, the Lord doesn't look at things the way other people look at. It's one of my favorite verses. I, I tell myself this, this next part, I tell myself this every time I look in the mirror at the gym. For God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. Thank you, Jesus. Take that, Danny. You know, take that. Because, because the, thing, the thing is, the, the thing is, he passes over all of his sons and Sam was like, man, do you have another one? And I, I want you to see what happens next. Because when Jesse talks about David, the, the one that God chose, the, the, the one who has a heart after God, he doesn't even have enough care for him to mention him by name. I want to read to you what he says. It's in 1 Samuel 16, verse 11. He goes, Samuel says, hey, is there anybody else? Are these all the sons you have? Well, they're still the youngest. Didn't I call them by name? Like, like doesn't even, you know, doesn't try and build them up, doesn't try and sell them on the idea, doesn't speak to his potential. Well, yeah, I do have one who's really hard work. That's why he's out. Like, he doesn't say any of that. Just, yeah, the youngest. He's out tending the sheep. Samuel says, hey, send for him. We'll not sit down until he arrives. And uh, I want to point this out to you. For all of you who feel like, like nobody's looking at you, for, for all of you who feel like nobody's noticing all that you're doing and nobody's appreciating the effort that you're exerting. See, it'd be real easy, be so easy for David to get a complex about this. I mean, like, what would it have hurt? Like, even if you don't think he's the one, like, at least let him come in, you know? Like, at least let him watch his brother get anointed to be king. Like, you know, at least let him be in the photo when you take the, you know, commemorate this. Like, at least you could tag him on Instagram. Like, you know, at least let him be a part of this. But don't even let him come in. And I believe he was left out. Because I think God wanted to show that it's often the people that feel left out that are actually the ones that God has set apart. And if you feel left out, can I just encourage you? It's not that God's forgotten about you. It's that he sets you apart. The one they didn't even think to bring in the room was the one that God had chosen. And here's what I want to tell you. Don't miss your assignment. Because what's valuable isn't always what's visible. What's valuable isn't always what's visible. You see, when God calls your name, when he gets ready to use you, when he's stirring up the gift that's inside of you, when he's getting ready to send you forth, when God gets ready to release your purpose, you gotta remind yourself that what's valuable isn't always what's visible. And what I want you to see is that God knew how to find David even in the field. He, he didn't have to get in the lineup waiting for his position, waiting for his moment. And you don't have to position yourself in front of people for God to use you. You don't have to position yourself in front of people for God to notice you. You don't have to manipulate the situation. You don't have to convince the committee that you're good enough. When God is ready to use you, he will. He knows where to find you. Because if it had been up to people, David wouldn't have even been given a chance. But it wasn't up to people. And God says it's, it's your time. He knows where to find you. So don't worry about whether or not people appreciate you. Don't, don't worry about whether or not they notice you. Don't even worry if they get your name right. It doesn't matter. You just gotta stay faithful. 
just stay faithful in that small thing. Because, see, if David hadn't been in the field watching the sheep, he wouldn't have been prepared to lead people. And what he could have and, and would have seen is so insignificant was the exact thing he needed to prepare him for his assignment. It's a funny thing, though, because like after this moment where he's been anointed and appointed, I mean, you would think that the very next thing we're going to see is that like him and his driver are going to be heading off to the palace, right? I mean, you would think that in this very, I mean, come on, like if you were just anointed king of Israel, you know you're not wasting any time moving from the sheep pen to the palace. You're heading there. In fact, I know what some of you would do. You would be pulling out your phone, pulling up Instagram, being like, hey, just me here with the prophet Sam. Hey, he just anointed me to be king. Hashtag humbled, hashtag blessed. You know, like whatever it is, you know that you would be posting it. But David knew that not everything is meant to be posted. Maybe you need to write that down. Maybe this is God's word for you. Not everything is meant to be posted. Maybe you want to send this to your mom. Not everything is meant to be posted. Now, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not down on Instagram. I'm not down on any of that stuff. Pull out your phone. Do it. You know, check in on Facebook. We'll make a donation. Tag us on Instagram. That's great. Do it. I'm not telling you, you can use your phone in church. That, that's great. But... What I am saying is don't confuse posting with progress. See, David, in this moment where he's anointed, he didn't try and build an audience, didn't try and draw people to himself. He, he, he didn't try to get everybody to notice him and you know, look, what, look what happened to me. And that's because he knew the post is preparation. Because the post is preparation. I understand what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about what you're posting. I'm talking about where you're posted. I want to tell you to stay on your post, where you're posted. Because preparation, it's, it's not really that popular of a topic to talk about in our culture today. I mean, we live in a post-oriented world. I want people to notice me. All about once I get to that place... But there's something to be said about being committed to your post. It's the lost art of being planted. And in fact, I would tell you, you will never fulfill your purpose if you're not committed to your post. And I'm saying this because God has posted some of you in some seemingly insignificant places. It'd be a lot easier just to walk away and Go someplace else. But I need you to see your post as preparation. I believe in preparation. There, there's a value in preparation. We don't value preparation a lot today. You know, before my wife and I got married, we, we had some premarital counseling, right? Preparation. Preparation. Tried to get her straightened out. Didn't eliminate, but got most of her dysfunctions manageable. But preparation, it's not very celebrated in our culture because we want to post. We want instant validation. And the problem is, the problem is we think this is how it works with God. That when God announces a change in our life, that's going to be activated immediately. 
and we get confused when God says, it's your time, but you gotta wait your turn. We get confused when it's announced God's plan and God's promise, but it doesn't happen immediately. Because see, this was the day that David was announced to be king. I mean, it happened this moment, but he doesn't get to wear the crown until years later. And it's kind of like when you give, you, li- you give your life to Christ, in that moment, you're saved. In that moment, you're set free. In, in that moment, you're redeemed. All those things are true immediately. But all of those changes that those new realities bring, those don't happen immediately. They happen gradually. And I see people become so discouraged in the process because they get confused about how it works. It's kind of like my my middle son, Oliver. um, My my boys have these toys that they like. Uh, they're, They're called Amiibos. It's really not important what they are, but what are, it's like these little action figure type things and they do them with their video games and it unlocks the stuff. It doesn't matter. I'm just telling you, just letting you in into my life. And he, he, he's been saving up his money. They like to buy these things. Been saving, my, my, my middle son, Oliver, six years old, been saving up his money, wants to get this Amiibo. And he, he said, Dad, can, you know, I have enough money. Can I get one? And so I did what every 21st century dad did is where we go shopping. We bought it on Amazon because that's where you get the best price. And so we went there uh, to Amazon. I said, okay, how much money you got? And we counted it up, and uh, we looked online, looked at, looked at all these uh, Amiibos, and let him pick out the one that he wanted. And he says, I want, I want that one. And I said, okay, give me your money. So he gave me his money, and, and then we bought it. And so I bought it, and, and, and he says, okay, can I play with it? And I said, that's, that's not the way it works. He, we, we bought it, but you gotta wait for it to get here. And he said, that's not fair. And I said, rule number one, this is a life lesson. Don't give people money on the internet. And then second, <laughs> second, I said, this is, this is, you, it's in process. It's in, yes, it's yours, but you, you don't have it yet. We gotta wait till, till it comes. And he wanted a refund and that wasn't like the whole point of the story. But I'm just saying, people get confused and they walk away from their initial investment because they don't see the immediate development. I don't want you to get confused by this and give up on your calling so easily and miss your assignment because you don't see the post as preparation. Because you don't see the post as preparation. I wonder if sometimes we don't stay on our post because we want the recognition before we've taken responsibility. I wonder if sometimes we don't stay on our post because We think it should happen right away. But see, we don't see David go start trying on crowns. We don't see David, you know, change his handle to future king of Israel, you know, King David. This is how you like me now, King David. Like, we don't see him do any of that. What we see is David went back to the sheep field and waited until he was given an assignment by his father. It was preparation. And what you need to understand is that the battle is won or lost in preparation. We started with Goliath, but he's not even there yet. I'm telling you, if he wasn't prepared, he would have never even got, so many of us, we, we want to get to Goliath. We want to take down this giant in our life, but we're not preparing. We're not preparing. And I want to show this to you because I would tell you most of us never even get to Goliath because we miss our assignment. 
I'll show you what I mean. It's in 1 Samuel 17, verse 17. It says, now Jesse said to his son, David, now hold up. He must have forgot he was talking to the future king of Israel. I mean, right? Because he's a, he says to his son. I mean, this wasn't a situation like Joseph in the Bible, Joseph's stories in Genesis where he had a dream and, and he, God showed him that he was gonna be ruler and then he had to convince his family about it. Like his family was right there. Like the prophet came and anointed him in front of all his birth. Like they know he's the king. There's no mystery about, there's no confusion about this, but yet we see his dad, he says to him, he gives him such a menial task. Look at this. Take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. There with Saul and all the men of Israel in the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Now, now David could have said, now who do you think you're talking to? Like, you know that I'm the future king, right? Like you were here, you want me to go on sandwich delivery to my brothers who didn't even want me in the room when the prophet came. I, I don't think so. But see, this isn't just an assignment given to him by his father. This is actually a test. It's a test to see if David will do the basic thing. The, the basic thing. Man, sometimes we want God to do the big thing in our life, but we don't want to do the basic thing. I want to know, are you basic? I need you to ask them, are you basic right now, all right? Are you basic? Because we want God to do the big thing in our life, but we don't want to do the basic thing. How is God ever going to use you for the big thing if you don't do the basic thing? And I love David because this story, it could have stopped right here. Maybe last we heard about him. And I wonder, I wonder all the basic things, the little things that God has been talking to you about that you've been ignoring. Like, call up your sister and apologize. Ask her to forgive you. Like, send that encouraging text to that person even though you think they're good and they probably don't know it and don't need it and you know, they're, they're fine. Like take five minutes to pray about this problem before you go run and talk to all your friends about it. I, hey, maybe just open up God's word. Even if it's just the verse of the day, just, just get in God's word a little bit. You know, get on that team. You know, go to growth track, that thing you keep tuning out every time they talk about it because you think it doesn't apply to you, but you haven't been yet. The, that basic thing that we're just ignoring. And it's funny how many of us, we want to kill Goliath, the Goliath in our life, the giant in our life, and we all got one. But none of us want to tend sheep or make deliveries. We want to see big victories but we miss our assignment because we don't realize that the classroom doesn't look like the calling. The classroom doesn't look like the calling. It doesn't look the way we expect. Man, how in the world is God gonna use you if you can't follow simple instructions? Because 
What I want to tell you, Daniel son, is that Mr. Miyagi is not always going to tell you why you're painting the fence. And he's not always going to tell you why you're waxing the car. And I have no idea why I'm using an example from the 1980s, but maybe God knew that this would be the thing that would get your attention. Because I know you would paint the fence if you knew the purpose of painting the fence. And I know you would wax the car if you knew the purpose of waxing the car. And I know you'd stay a virgin if God would give you your wedding date. But the thing is, the classroom doesn't always look like the calling. The, th the thing is, when God has a, the, the promise doesn't always look like the preparation. And so the place that God prepares you is usually the place that seems the most pointless to you. It's the place that doesn't make any sense. And I wonder if what God's got you doing right now seems kind of pointless. I wonder if it feels insignificant. Because I mean, a lot of things don't make sense. I mean, you look at this story, this whole story doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that God would kill a giant with a slingshot. It doesn't make sense that God would use the most inexperienced person to go out on the battlefield. It doesn't make sense that God would bring about a victory through an instrument of death called the cross. It's a lot of things that don't make sense. And maybe what you're going through right now seems like it's not making any sense, but I just want to tell you that the classroom doesn't look like the calling. It doesn't make sense that God prepares you to trust the teacher by putting you in a class that doesn't look like the calling. And maybe this won't take the pain away, but maybe if you would just start seeing your pain as preparation. I'm not saying that it was right, that person who hurts you. I'm not saying that it wasn't evil. I'm just saying that in his hands, whatever hurts you will become healing for where he's taking you. So let me read this to you. We'll close it down with this. In 1 Samuel 17, 20, it says, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. Now we know what's gonna happen next. We know that God is gonna use this to get him on the battlefield. He's gonna talk to his brothers. He's gonna say, hey, how, how come we're just letting this guy insult us? I'm gonna do something about it. We know what happens next. But David didn't know that. David didn't know that this was 1 Samuel 17. In David's mind, this was just an ordinary day. And so many times God wraps our destiny, destiny in ordinary days. Simple decisions. What I want you to see is that if David wouldn't have done the simple thing, he would have never seen the supernatural thing. And so I wonder what's that simple thing that God is calling you to do right now? That, that ordinary thing that you're facing that seems insignificant that you would prefer, man, I, I even wish I wasn't in this situation. I'm just telling you. And what's valuable isn't always visible. If nobody sees it, I'm telling you, God sees it. He knows where to find you. I, I'm telling you that where you're at, your post is preparation. I, I don't want you to miss your assignment because you don't see how God is using that thing that you're in right now. 
and the classroom doesn't look like the calling. He's teaching you some things. He's working some things out in you. Don't miss your assignment because it seems hard, because it seems insignificant, because it seems beneath you. Lots of times the blessing is in doing what seems beneath us.